Welcome to episode 57 of the Becoming Human podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Daniel Shimwoo Kim. Daniel is an outdoors enthusiast who spent his time traveling and exploring his interests. When he was a kid, he didn't have very much ambition. He would just play video games and watch anime, which is fine. However, I think a lot of us have a time in our lives where we ask, what do we live for? My most cherished stories wasn't the times that I felt the most comfortable, safe, secure, or complacent. It was the hard times, overcoming that difficulty and finding a second wind within myself, or the ability to live up to higher expectations, and the relief that comes from that realization. You can go check out Daniel's uh, YouTube page by clicking the link in the show notes or looking up Eco-esque. It's sunny here, the snow is melting, and I'm excited to hit those high mountain passes. It's going to be a beautiful summer, friends. I met up with one of my friends, and we actually went to a plant sale today. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. What kind of plants? Was it uh, like uh, vegetables? Yeah, there are some vegetable plants, but there are a lot of native species. So, um, yeah, like you have trees, perennials. Yeah, I bought a Venus flytrap, even though they're from like Carolina. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Uh, Venus flytraps, they're always one of my favorite things. Uh, That and uh, orchids. Oh, orchids are beautiful. There are so many variety and, you know, I could rant on and on about plants. (laughs) Um, So have you always had a fascination with plants? You know, I did. But rather than plants, what I liked about plants was that, you know, they're the food source of animals. I, I've loved animals ever since I was a kid. And, oh, geez, I can't. Yeah, like the very first drawings I would do are all about animals and nature. Yeah, I always had that connection with nature, even though I was a little kid. I think it was my father and my grandmother who really got me inspired into getting more into nature. What what kinds of activities do they do with you um, in nature? Yeah, so, you know, my dad, he was really busy, so I didn't really see him, but sometimes he'll take me on his hunting trips or we'll go fishing together. Oh. And this was all in Georgia. Um, I moved to Washington around 10 years ago or so. And my grandmother, though, yeah, she, she really got me into nature. Um, there are times when... She would bring toward it like turtles and whatnot, like, like small little animals, and she would bring them to me, and she'll get my mind curious about the animals, and I'll be studying about them, and yeah, just having a good time with her. Um, aquariums were a big thing with my father. Um, he loves saltwater aquariums, and you know, the saltwater aquariums are so cool with the uh, bright variety of uh, fish that they have. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think it's so important to have those role models who are able to like expose you to those aspects of, of nature um, and get you curious. Yeah, exactly. Um, I personally believe that it's the previous generation's responsibility to, you know, instill these nature, um, uh, what do I say, like nature values? Yeah, yeah, nature, naturalistic values. And yeah, like, you know, kids, they're always curious, you know, they're born of curiosity. And 
you know, all you have to do is just poke them around a little and eventually, you know, to start asking the right questions. And there's this thing that people often will say, which is like, oh, technology and they just want to play video games. And my argument as a kid who grew up playing video games and now I'm like falling in love with the outdoors oh, is yeah. that like when I play RPGs like uh, Skyrim, Morrowind, um, or even World of Warcraft, that I get a similar experience when I'm backpacking. And although I have a lot more fun in that way, because like the risks are actually are real in a lot of senses and the difficulty is real, physical and mental. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, yeah. I think we have a pretty similar background where, you know, I'm 23. I'm still young, but yeah, I used, yeah, I remember my first Game Boy Color and I had Pokemon Crystal and that was my very first video game. And you know, the great thing about Pokemon is, you know, you go on this adventure, you're a little kid going on an adventure, like trying to become the very best. And, you know, you go through all of these different types of ecosystems, different environments, and you're just always exploring, discovering something new. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely video games did, you know, like, well, a lot of people do say, like, the video games are like big, big, big distractions or mm-hmm. that, um, people should be getting out more. Yeah, video games have that special portal that, you know, they they bring you into this world where, you know, maybe you're at home, but they bring you to something new. Mm-hmm. But without any of the physical limitations of maybe your family doesn't take you out into the wilderness. However, these stories will still kind of expose you to very similar concepts of like exploration and discovery because Pokemon was my favorite too, man. Hey, right on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still play? Uh, yes, I do on occasion, and it's because I had my son, and he got to the point to where he asked me to play video games, and I was almost like my parents, where it's like that's gonna you know ruin you. And then I thought about it, and like wait, it taught me how to read in a lot of ways, and it helped my curiosity. So I'm like, well, you can play video games if it's us together, so that we bond. So he yeah, got me back yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. You know, kids love games like Minecraft, where you know you get to bring your curiosity into the game and you know there's a lots of you have to be creative you have to be adventurous mm-hmm. yeah a game like minecraft i think there are a lot of benefits to video games personally and i think like when you play a, a video game um there's an opportunity if you do it in a certain way like an education where you can expose people to a variety of different like simulated uh activities and then gauge their interest off of there and then pursue it further it's much more low cost like with minecraft i bet you a lot of the kids would either like to build stuff out in the woods Mm -hmm. uh, or they would like to you know the people who go and mine for like rare gemstones in washington and oregon and everywhere yeah i've heard about them you could just do that with a little pickaxe it's basically the same (laughs) thing like (laughs) yeah and what's great is you know you have like all of these cool elements in video games where guess what? You can do that in real life too. Yeah. You can get your son out with a pickaxe or whatever and teach him how to scout minerals and whatnot. And yeah, like what I like about video games is it lets you explore new things without a lot of the cost of like a lot of, a lot of a waste of time or energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, if, if it brings you to a new idea, then why not? Yeah, exactly. And um, does, do you still play video games yourself? Oh, you know, I wish. I wish I had the time <laughs> to play video games. Yeah, you know, 
I, I love video games. You know, they're a great hobby. But, you know, the, I feel like the older you get, the more responsibilities you kind of want to take on for yourself. And, you know, like video games are fun, lots of entertainment, and they're good stories. And, yeah, it, it stimulates your mind. But at the same time, you also have to think, well, what else could I be doing with my time? And as an adult, you know, yeah, I work like 10-hour days out in the field. And when I go home, I'm like, okay, I have, I have like three hours to do something. And then like, you know, you cook or you uh, prepare for the next day. You want to sleep early or um, you do some creative projects. And so video games just, yeah. I've been able to play them recently, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, I agree with you because when my son was asking me about video games, I didn't really want to play them because – I found that if I spent my time doing those outdoor activities, I would get stronger, I would get faster, I would have euphoric sensations, um, I would just have more fun. And the only way to be able to do the, the things that I wanted to do with him and without him, I didn't have any extra time. Like, and it wasn't, as, it wasn't as exciting to play a video game for me as it was when I was a kid. Yeah, definitely. Well, then again, I guess it's, what kind of video games you play in particular. Like, I don't know, when I was a kid, I used to play lots of Zoo Tycoon as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the good stuff. Like, Roller Coaster Tycoon, move over. Zoo Tycoon was the way to go. <laughs> now you got to go for Ski Resort Tycoon, man. <laughs> Ski Resort, man. So many tycoons back in the day. They got to bring that back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They got to take off the, like, the freemium, the pay-to-play stuff. <laughs> yeah yeah oh man i could rant on and on about the free-to-play and the microtransaction thing but you know that's the wrong subject for this podcast yeah. so. <laughs> uh, so what was like one of your most cherished uh, memories as a kid uh regarding nature you know regarding nature i remember so you know when i was a little kid back before the housing crash housing market crash of 2008 so uh, here's some backstory. My my parents, uh, my father, he was like we were uh, millionaires actually, and so we had a lot of income and whatnot. So you know, there are times when in the summer I would go to like a lake and uh, we would have a boat, and we had like lots of time to just go camping, and just um yeah ride the boat along the lake. Or sometimes we'll go to Florida and we'll scuba dive together. Yeah, I actually got my scuba diving license when I was 12. Wow. So, yeah, um, lots of opportunities as a kid because of the extra money, of course. But, you know, after that 2008 housing market crash happened, um, lost all of it. But, you know, life happens, you know. Guess life. what? It's funny. Life does happen, and I think that's that's something that I found within uh, listening to like mentors and role models, and even pursuing my own kinds of things. That just just to be like uh, comfortable, it doesn't always last. Like within anything, like if you, you know, yeah, especially yeah, being comfortable, yeah, you tend to lose your guard and you kind of start thinking that you're invincible. And I feel like that's such an important lesson when it comes to hiking or like going outdoors and whatnot. You know, you, you know, I wasn't always like this, but, you know, once you start, you know, putting in hours in hiking and you do it for a week, every weekend, and you kind of get used to, you know, 
hiking or like the proper way to um, pitch a tent or whatever, you start getting comfortable. And you know, it luckily it hasn't happened to me yet, but I know that there are lots of times when you know someone's out there and he has had like a lot of experience out in nature. Sometimes you can get cocky and you know, sometimes really bad incidents can happen. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I think those experiences can be valuable because um, what is it? you're often reminded within nature to kind of be on your guard or um, to have full awareness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You definitely should not be comfortable when you're right next to mother nature. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get cocky. <laughs> and what did it look like when you first transitioned into getting into the outdoors? Like for some people, it's really overwhelming to either do a really long backpacking trip or a uh, long hike. What did it look like for you? You know, it's kind of weird. I didn't, it didn't happen all of a sudden. Like there was no really big dramatic change. Um, if anything, when I was, who oh, let's see, a uh, junior or sophomore in high school, you know, I haven't gone to the gym in years. And the last time I went to a gym class was in, like in middle school. I was not fit. I always stayed at home, played video games, ate unhealthy. But what happened was, so I was in this thing called the IB program. I think it's, uh, it stood for International Baccalaureate or whatever. And it was like this high school program, kind of like an AP program. Yeah, okay. Yeah, prepping for college. And a really interesting thing that they had us do was something called CAS hours, C-A-S. And I think one of those criteria was you had to do an activity of some sort. And yeah, well, I have no idea how it happened, but it got me to join track and field. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's... So I'm this kid who in middle school had like a 14 minute mile run time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that even happened. That's, that's, that's slower than walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, yeah, I, it forced me to train every day. Like I would go to the practices and eventually after the end of the semester, I got the mile down to seven minute, 20 seconds. Wow. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. And That's so cool. Yeah, um, once I started developing my physical health, I was like, wow, this feels really amazing. And I started taking care of my body more. And then I entered university um, at the University of Washington in Seattle. I originally went there not thinking that I was going to do any, you know, environmental stuff that I'm currently doing right now. I went in thinking I was going to do a computer science like computer science engineering or I don't know, being a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Yeah. Parents is still upon their children. Yeah. 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 I got to keep that expectation. Exactly. But, achievement. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I took that first computer science class and, you know, I'll, let me tell you, I sucked at it. I was, <laughs> I was, it, was, it was not what I was meant to do. Um, yeah. Dropped it instantly. And one of my friends, all of a sudden he asked me like, Hey, you know, I know you like nature and whatnot. Why don't you go towards this thing called environmental science and resource management? It's a super long major title, but (laughs) no, I looked into it and turns out they had something called wildlife conservation. And, you know, while 
animals were my passion and you know my absolute favorite thing to rant about like when i was a kid i used to read almanacs or encyclopedias about just animals for fun cool. yeah like i was a total book nerd and <laughs> um totally different now but yeah during that time i was like okay i'll check it out and i saw the wildlife conservation major and you know i went in to the advisor and i asked her i was like hey i'm interested in doing wildlife conservation and you know how in majors you have to you know have like prerequisites or uh-huh. requirements and whatnot she just handed me a piece of paper and said <laughs> hey um sign it and you're in like, oh, that's it <laughs> yeah, and then, so yeah, as a freshman in college i decided that i was going to be in environmental science and resource management in wildlife conservation major oh wow yeah and you know because of that i go into that major like all pumped up, ready to like study the environment. And with that naturally just led me to more hiking, more adventures, getting out there, keeping up my physical health. And yeah, it was a really weird, <laughs> a really weird series of events. But Wow. And th- but that's kind of how it seems to happen. And that's why I support like a systems approach. Whereas if you set very solid goals over time, our ideas of things changes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, yeah, like I remember when I was a kid, I used to prepare two, three years in advance. But honestly, nowadays, I can't even plan three months in advance. (laughs) You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And have you always been that dedicated? Because from the sound of when you started getting into running and you realized uh, in track and field that you had that high mileage time, you Mm. committed a lot of time to getting better was that an unusual behavior or is that something that you a behavior a trait you've always had um yeah definitely not i was not ambitious as a kid (laughs) and the reason being is you know i was i don't know i was one of those smart kids quote unquote where you know i could just coast by school without really trying hard and because of that you know it really messes with your mind um yeah, you lose a lot of like desire to do anything, mm-hmm. and you, if you're able to coast by, why put that in? Why put that extra effort? Mm-hmm. But you see, I had this identity as you know a quiet, um, like like a, just a kid who liked to read mm-hmm. um, in middle school and back in Georgia. But when that housing crisis happened, our my family we moved to Seattle. And when that happened, I just told myself, hey, I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to, you know, like make friends, be sociable. And so it was a new slate. And, you know, as a 13-year-old, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so literally what I did was I just copied what the popular kids used to do in middle school. (laughs) And, yeah, that led me to being more sociable people approached me more and you know that gives you that desire in life to just keep pushing and just keep working for something but honestly yeah as a kid I was I didn't have that um yeah but when I had that new opportunity to like actually grow and like show what I made out of Mm -hmm. that's when 
you know, I started to get more ambitious. I find that fascinating because it sounded like before you're in an experience where um, your efforts did not produce a much of a reward in terms of whether or not that's like gratification or payoff or achievement within school. But when you found out that you sucked at something, you, you finally had an occasion to rise to and you capitalized on it. Exactly. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating how humans, when, you know, you're pushed into a corner or you're facing the unknown, all of a sudden you're like, oh, shoot, I have to prove myself. I have to do something about it. <laughs> and the feeling that, that you have, at least from what I'm relating towards, at, at the end of it, like it's a level of excitement um, that, that's unparalleled to a lot of things. Like it, It's fun. Yeah, I'll definitely agree that compared to um, my life as a child, life is a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, And it's amazing because it's like the more effort you put into something, you kind of start seeing the rewards and you know, the uh, fruits of labor, as you can say. But then honestly, like, the real hit happened when I entered college because, you know, everyone who gets into college is honestly, like, pretty smart mm -hmm. um, in terms of academics anyways. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, once I got into college, I was like, wow, I suck at this. And so, you know, that's the reality check. And, mm -hmm. yeah, like, while I did, while I did, like, try pushing in, high school definitely like midway in college was when I started getting like really ambitious and trying like all of these new opportunities and whatnot and what were one of the most memorable opportunities that you tried who yeah <laughs> I've had a good amount of opportunities yeah I'm very fortunate I would say I have two and the very first opportunity was volunteering at a stray dog center in Africa. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, pretty far out there. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really weird. Um yeah. let's just say that there was um I had a fallout with one person and so what so what do you have to do like uh, on your average daily task there? Oh, in in Africa? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, honestly, it was more like a vacation, but, you know, what on paper, what we're supposed to do was, you know, we'll go into the animal shelter and we'll clean, we'll clean the environment, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll like, wash the, cat, the kennels and, you know, give the dogs food and give them baths and whatnot. But uh, one thing I really liked was we did a lot of activism, and so... I was in this program called Isaac, A-I-E-S-E-C, Isaac. And pretty much it's a global organization run entirely by students. And pretty much it's a big, it's a big program for volunteers and internships. Mm -hmm. And so there was, a, there was an Isaac program in Mauritius. That's where I went to in Africa. It's a small island to the east of Madagascar. And over there, um, yeah, I, I went in there and we did, we, uh, yeah, let me restart it. Yeah, I was in a group of maybe 12 individuals, all from all around the world. Like we had one person from Brazil, some people from Pakistan, 
uh, Switzerland, Estonia, China, Taiwan, and you know, out of I was the only American, and you know, there are multiple groups. Out of like seventy people, I was the only American, and you know, yeah. I'm not really the spitting image of an American. Yeah, <laughs> and did you, were you accustomed to like a bunch or diverse range of cultures in Georgia, or limited? Oh, very limited. And Whoa. So, yeah, and so like, you know. I'm going out in Africa, and then I'm meeting all these different cultures. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so much more to do in this world. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like now I have some amazing, great friends from all across the world. So wherever I travel, I'm sure I'll, I'll know someone there. So, but yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's so cool. See, uh, that yeah, that's just one of the opportunities. Um, second opportunity was studying abroad for a year in Australia, and. Ooh. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that, that's also another big uh, story. That's cool. So, did you uh, did you stay in one place in Australia, or did you travel? Yeah. So my my hometown, as you can say, my where my university was located was in Brisbane. So that's uh, a few hours north of Sydney. Ooh. Yeah, um, I did travel to Sydney and Melbourne, and Cairns. I think that's the name of the town. Yeah, um, I traveled there for vacation, but mainly it was Brisbane that I stayed in. What were your, um, what did you like to do in Australia? Like, did you uh, spend more time in the backcountry or did you spend it in the city? I spent a lot of it in a city. I did have lots of classes. Um, so I had a lot of great classes in the study abroad program. Um, one would be Australian terrestrial ecosystems or Australian marine ecosystems. And these are field classes. And so I would have field trip opportunities to go to places like Fraser Island, Green Island, like places at the Great Barrier Reef. And for a weekend, for like three days or like during spring break, we'll go there for yeah three to five days. And we'll do things like counting fish in the coral reefs, um, doing habitat assessment, you know, swimming with sharks. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see, uh, Australia, that was an amazing opportunity, and, and I still want to go back to that place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is your um, goal within your, within your degree or your discipline, is it to get to do more field work like that? Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> they see, this is why I don't plan um, a few months in advance anymore, yeah. because, you know, oh, there's so many things I want to do in my life. Mm -hmm. Fortunately... But, you know, you, it's like I always doubt myself whether it's going to be the right choice to make. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people tell me that, you know, I would make a pretty good teacher or something. And, you know, teaching is a passion of mine. I like to, like, teach people about new ideas. Like, I even have a YouTube channel about teaching people about the environment and whatnot. Oh, well, what's your channel name? Oh, my channel name is Ecoesque. Ecoesque. I start the videos by saying, Hello and welcome to Ecoesque, where I, Daniel Kim, try to inspire you to go out into nature. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I've only been doing it for two months, and, you know, it's a, it's a very uh, rocky project. <laughs> but to be honest with you, like, you know as well as I do whether it's running or um, 
even well, just learning anything that it all starts off rocky. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like um, how was your uh, podcast when you first started? Like, how many episodes do you have now? Like, I have uh, dozens. Fifty-five. Fifty-five. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. It, so when I started it off, I was just I I've been I've been in the same place that you are, where you doubt what you're doing is the right thing, and so I had a lot of things on my plate. And I was just doing the podcast just just for fun while I was in school for programming. And oh, I realized yeah. I didn't want to do programming. <laughs> <laughs> got you, got you. And I was looking at this podcast, and I would spend, like, hours on this thing. And so I figured this, among other things, like at the outdoors, archery, and jujitsu, and oh, running, yeah. mm-hmm. are, like, are things that I, I want to pursue in its entirety. And yeah. So I started off from recording on my phone to – getting uh, some just shabby re- recording equipment and then upgrading all the way now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. The learning curve for learning something new is, Oh man, that's, it's quite the struggle, but yeah, eventually, eventually you'll get there. Yeah. yeah, exactly, man. And I never used to be, be this way, just like yourself in terms of dedication or being ambitious. Cause like as a kid, I'd always give up or be the quiet kid and coast by cause it was, you know, pretty easy for me. Mm. And for some reason, like w- whether it's ultra marathons or writing or any of these things, um, I've just become almost obsessive about it in a way, not negatively, but mm-hmm. I've never put this much energy in anything before. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing when you find a passion and then like you just give your all into it. Um, you lose sleep about it because you're just thinking about it or you're doing like your full-time job and all you can think about is like what you'll do when you get home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love the creative process. Yes. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, and so in terms of your life now, hmm. <clears throat> what kind of uh, feeling do you, do you value the most? Whether that be like, uh, excitement, um, curiosity, or sense of accomplishment? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, yeah, the, yeah, what drives my actions the most is curiosity. Definitely, um, ever since I was a kid, you know, I've always wanted to be a scientist of some sort. And, you know, being curious is the bread and butter of being a scientist. <laughs> and, you know, what I, oh, what I hate so much is, you know, as you get older, people don't flex that curiosity muscle as much. You know, if you don't work out a specific muscle, well, you're going to lose the progress you had. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, like when I see people and like, like see kids grow up and they lose their curiosity, I'm like, no, no, you can't do it. Like, what's happening to you? You got to gain that back. That's, that's definitely for me, that curiosity is what really drives me forward. And yeah, it, and it's just like curiosity works hand in hand with just being adventurous or being bold. Um, yeah, facing the unknown. Not well, you're not sure like what's going to happen, but you still do it anyways. Do you find yourself shying away from that at any moment? And what strategies have you used to bring yourself back? Yeah, there, yeah, there have been times when, you know you could get burnt out or you get that you get tired like oh why am i doing this like what's it all for in the end but you know what's important i think is to have a goal in mind 
and to know that, you know, there's a bigger reason why you're doing this. For example, with my YouTube channel, and hopefully, I don't know, maybe a podcast in the future. Like podcasts are amazing, but fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love podcasts. <laughs> but yeah, it's my goal is you know to inspire people to go out there into nature, and so once you once you have that goal, you know you just can't stop. Yeah, you just gotta keep going. I completely agree. I would say that momentum is everything. And um, just like we were saying how plans seem to change is once you start something and you do it consistently over time, it almost becomes a thing of its own. Yeah. It becomes a habit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in, in expected ways and unexpected ways. Yeah. Life definitely throws you a lot of uh, unexpected, (laughs) like unexpected things, but you know, you just got to adapt. You just got to go with the flow. Yeah, and you, and you grow as a stronger person in the end. Exactly, man. And it's those those moments that that are the most memorable because it's strange how uh, we remember the Sufferfest the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely remember my sufferings. There's um, yeah. So my job is I work for a private company in restoration, mm-hmm. and wow, did I suffer? I mean, like. I loved I love my job first of all, but there's this thing called planting season, mm-hmm. which is from September to March, and you know, working outdoors is great. You bask in the sunlight, you know, you have the fresh breeze running across your face. But then planting season happens where you're all muddy and it's raining and it's like 30 degrees outside, mm-hmm. and Ooh. you're. Like, wedding and you're carrying a bunch of like plants on your back going up and down hills all day with a shovel oh wow really yeah do that for six months and honestly i feel like i can do anything now yeah exactly <laughs> that's um i geek out over the uh, a hunter his name is uh what steven ranella and mm-hmm. that that's what he always talks about because what he looks for is uh like if it's really cold or anything like that, because they're just really good stories to share with people. Like you don't tell the stories of like the best of times. You tell the stories of like that epic thing that you had to overcome. And there's always some semblance of like excitement or gratitude in the end waiting for you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you hate it when it's happening, but you know, a few weeks from now, you'll probably be laughing about it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, what's your most uh, memorable backpacking experience? Backpacking experience. Ooh. Or well, I know that I'll be having a great backpacking experience soon because I'm going for two to three months in Southeast Asia on a solo backpacking trip. What? <laughs> yeah, to do a lot of like nature filming and hiking and whatnot. But, you know, one really memorable thing. Ooh. A memorable experience through a lot of hardship was <laughs> there's a one time I was in New Zealand, okay, <laughs> and it was their winter time, and basically I'll imagine a big cliff, right? Mm-hmm. You park your car on the cliff, and there's a beach underneath. There's a big sand dune that you have to climb, like many many hills, to get to the very bottom. And so New Zealand, wintertime, it's around 5 p.m. And I'm there with, um, with a person. And, you know, like, first off, 
we see this giant log and I'm just like, this is a huge log, maybe 20 feet long or so. I get close to it and it starts breathing. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? It was a giant, uh, it was a giant seal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. And, you know, I think it was the alpha of the beach or something. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I managed to, I, I moved away. The person I was, I was with, um, she, you know, she's not very keen with, uh, not, she's not very, uh, she's not used to wild animals. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so she freaked out? Oh, quite the opposite. She was asking if she could pet it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was trying to like get her away from the thing. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, that is. That is so crazy. That yeah. was almost like my mom when we lived in uh, North Idaho and we're in a town of 300. And she came wow. from, she used to live in Northern California. And we didn't know anybody there. There's a, a black bear so a <laughs> cub. And she's, I've come out like out of the oh. house and she's oh. trying to feed a lunch meat. Uh-huh. By, wow. hand, by hand. By hand? And yeah. yeah and what like, she doesn't know is that's a wild animal. <laughs> what the fuck? And you're, you're like, you're, you're, uh, what is it? You're conditioning it to humans, uh-huh. and that thing will probably eat you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or at least eat your hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah, people, people are crazy. Um, like you know, in Yellowstone, you have people trying to pet bison, and of course, they get ran over. You get people like trying to pet grizzly bears, and like, like, what is it? Recently, there's this guy who tried to take a selfie with a grizzly bear like a few days ago? Yeah, the guy, the guy got eaten. Oh my gosh. Yeah, people Yeah, people don't respect animals as much as they should. It's ridiculous. Uh, I, and I think there's, there's, it's largely in part to our, uh, what is it, charismatic an- or um, anthropomorphization of animals with like Bambi and the Disney movies. And uh, you even see like Yogi Bear, right? Oh, yeah. When in reality, I don't mean to like demonize the animals. There's like this, uh, what is it? This love that I have for them. But they're, they're violent. I mean, it's just, a, it's nature. And if you haven't grown up in that culture or in that context, and you've only taken your information off of like nature shows. Yeah. You wouldn't know that. Yeah. And the crazy, yeah, like in the cartoon, but like you, I'm sure, like, people have watched things like Planet Earth or whatever, right? Well, and, like, I would hope so. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a great film, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Attenborough, I would like to meet you one day. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, some people are crazy. Like, they see the videos of, like, bears just chasing down or like, like, you know, animals just having these giant big fights. But yet, people are like, oh, yeah, we're in a park. And so I guess it should be okay to just go ahead and pet it because they're domesticated or something. Like, no, it's a wild animal. And, you know, you're entering their home and you should get out of the way. Yes. Like, really quickly. Exactly. Because all they are, they're mostly food driven. Like, (laughs) yeah, they're animals. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there is one scenario that tripped me out where it was a guy I had on the podcast. His name is Ben Michelson. He's an okay. author. Uh, he wrote like Touching Spirit Bear, among other books. But mm-hmm. he, had, he used to have a bear. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was a black bear. So <laughs> well. my understanding, um, the 
black bear, the, like the mama bear died. And um, this black bear, like the cub had a wound in its paw and mm. they're like way out in Montana. And uh, so for some reason he gets the bear from the forest fishing game. This is a long time ago, but, oh, uh, and, and so he like raises the bear. I don't understand like why, because he might have an, had an applicable degree, but he raises the bear and now the bear takes pictures with like kids and shit. And oh. yeah. And it's like lived outside. He never condones like people, you know, with wild animals. He was just saying that he raised the bear from it being a cub. Mm-hmm. And it was like completely different relationship. And I know that there's like no indication of that in other places in nature, but it was yeah. nuts, man. Like he'd go camping with that bear. Yeah. Okay. That, wow. That's ridiculous. Like that's yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there are people who have, who like raise like pet raccoons as like little, like when they're like little, I don't know, what's the, what's a baby raccoon, a, a cub? Yeah, Maybe, yeah. Yeah, anyway, a baby raccoon. And you know, as the raccoon gets older, that thing starts getting ferocious. So if you had a black bear as a cub and then it grew older, I can't believe like nothing bad happened. That's what I'm saying. He was like completely docile. I'm like, what? That, a bear, because get me right, that a black bear uh, boar, uh, a guy, will eat the, the sow's cubs if they're not his, so that he can make her go back into heat, so he can make her have his babies. Yeah, it's and, kind of, and, yeah, super weird. <laughs> so it's like, well, I mean, they're like, uh, there's no morality, with, like it's evident within nature. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that expectation and for that to even happen is so rare. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the bike just got really lucky, or yeah. something might have happened eventually. But yeah, not yeah, hoping it doesn't though. Yeah, yeah. terrible. Um, wow. And uh, do you? So where's like one of the favorite places that you've had a chance to travel? Because you did traveling uh, with with your school. Mm-hmm. It, did you do any uh, personal traveling? I know you mentioned New Zealand. Yeah, in Australia, Tasmania. Wow, Tasmania was amazing. Yeah, we were there for a week, I believe. And yeah, you'll see crazy things like, yeah, the drives are amazing. Yeah, if, yeah, I, if you want to drive anywhere in this world, it's either going to be Tasmania or New Zealand. They're both amazing. But yeah, you know, you're driving around Tasmania and then you see like wallabies all over the road. Oh, and that's like, cool. You, yeah, you might run one over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's, it's kind of, they're kind of like the deers of Tasmania. Whoa. Because, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, the thing about like wombats or whatever. Oh yeah, oh, yeah we ran over, a, I think, a wombat. No, actually, <laughs> I'm not, actually, I don't think so. No, no, <laughs> we saw a run over a wombat on the side of the road. We didn't do it, but wow. yeah, um, that just goes to say like how roads are really dangerous for animals. But mm-hmm. anyways, <laughs> Tasmania was amazing, and yeah, Tasmania and New Zealand. Oh, dude, I I could rant on and on yeah. about how amazing the how like how crystal clear the lakes are and how you can see oh, yeah. so much blue. Lavender fields are out Ooh. there, like amazing mountains that you climb. Yeah, coves, beaches. Oh, that sounds rad, man. You're getting me excited. I want to. I'm getting ready for the enchantments um, to do the uh, like a through run on the enchantments. Oh, congratulations! Exactly did you get Did you like. get the permit or? Uh, 
No, uh, we just do a through run. So we either do uh, just straight through. Okay. So we start at like five in the morning, then we get done like late afternoon. Wow. <laughs> Don't say it. it's. I love that place so much. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, you know, I haven't been to the enchantments yet, which really? is insane. Yeah, I, I know I gotta. People keep telling me to. But. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it for those granite peaks, man. And especially passing over the like the Asgard Pass, it's mm-hmm. like uh, you're uh, going up the scree, and it's like hip height the entire time, and it's nuts, man. You have to like just scrambling up it for I don't know. I think it's like mile and a half. It's it's super treacherous. Oh, is it is it kind of like the rocky area in Mailbox Peak, or is it like way more? Um, it's kind of like the rocky area in Mailbox Peak, or mm-hmm. even more like the rocky area up at Pilchuck. Pilchug, okay, yeah. gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of these times, yeah, you have to go on a hike or something. I'll have to hit you up, man. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah that'd be exciting. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything that you'd like to? Uh, any takeaways that you'd like to leave with the audience? Um, if there's anything, I guess I could say, yeah, whatever in life, uh, just you know, if an if a door opens for you, just go ahead and take it. You never know where it's going to take you. And, you know, always go in with a sense of adventure. Know that, you know, you might have this new opportunity and you'll discover something new about yourself. So whatever the case, be brave. Get out there. Yeah, and yeah, just live life. You only have one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get some. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Just do it. Even if you, if even if you don't want to, like everything in your body is telling you not to. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, don't do anything like super dangerous. Mm-hmm. But you know, go out there. You have one life. Get have an adventure. That's what life's about. All my plants have gone to seed. Some I planted on my own Some have never needed me Farther than the eye can see Flown like arrows from my bow Falling where I never know Golden limbs may spring from the heaven, I may never see them again. All my friends have gone to sea. Some are fishing, some are float, some are wishing they were home.
Looking forward. 